Meet the children of Nueva Esperanza. Like most kids, they love to play, and eat, and talk. But for these children, food is often a luxury, and homes like these don't provide safe and comfortable places for them to play. Sadly, their situation isn't unusual here in Tegucigalpa, the capital city of Honduras, a country which is one of the poorest in the Western Hemisphere. Many people live in poverty here, without running water and often without enough food to eat. Aside from the physical problems such as malnourishment and illness, the emotional effects of poverty can be just as damaging. Many Honduran parents, especially single mothers, are forced to make the heart-wrenching decision to leave their children in an orphanage because they are simply not able to provide for them. But there is hope. New hope. Nueva Esperanza. Motivated by Jesus' love and compassion for the poor, Nueva Esperanza is dedicated to caring for the 150-plus children who attend here during the day, but who can return to be with their parents and families every night. While at the ministry, their physical needs are met with the provision of nutritious food, clean drinking water, and medical attention. Their emotional needs are fulfilled with lots of love and care. Their spiritual needs are met with regular chapel times, Bible classes, and daily devotionals, so the children can have the opportunity to learn about God and His unlimited love. Their educational needs are met with planned and structured classes to reinforce what they learned in public school. Practical classes such as sewing, computing, art, and music help them to find the joy in learning. In a country where only 43 out of every 100 students will complete primary education, we encourage these children to learn and to achieve above and beyond expectation, so they will be equipped to escape from poverty's trap. At age 12, the children can join our youth program, where they receive scholarships and tutoring to help them continue their education in high school. It is our privilege and joy to see our young people move from childhood to adulthood, growing in their faith and succeeding in high school, and even going on to study in college. As our children grow, so does the ministry, and through this, we see God's amazing and limitless provision. New Hope was started in 1992 by Barbara Maurer, a young missionary from the United States. She began a ministry by caring for 10 children in a nearby church building. Nueva Esperanza now cares for over 150 children and has its own three-story building with classrooms, kitchen, cafeteria, library, medical clinic, and playground. Barbara met her husband, Carlos Barahona, in Honduras, and together they have four children. Carlos knows all too well the harsh reality of poverty in Honduras, as he was placed in an orphanage when his family was no longer able to provide for him. Together, Barbara and Carlos are striving to ensure that this doesn't happen to the families they serve. God has provided all that Nueva Esperanza has and is today, working through the kindness and generosity of individuals, churches, and missions teams, and allowing Barbara and Carlos to continue serving him in Honduras. Should you feel led to partner with us in serving the Lord, there are different ways you can be involved. Perhaps you can consider sponsoring one of our children. Our sponsorship program ensures that the children's daily needs are met through things like food and care, and also provides the funds necessary for educational materials and to hire loving teachers so that each child can receive a well-rounded and Christian education. We also welcome those individuals who want to come to Honduras to work alongside us, whether that be as part of a team 
or alone for a week, a month, or perhaps even longer. Together, as we strive to be the hands and feet of Jesus, we can continue to give new hope to these Honduran children and their families. I'm, I'm, I'm laying. So I'm laying in bed. It's like the last, like second or last night or whatever. And I'm like, you know, if I wasn't married, because ladies down there were beautiful. And I said, if I wasn't married, I'd come down here and find me a nombre. Well, that's dude in Spanish. Um, so that's a little weird. Um, but the funny part is, I go to pack up the last day. And um, somebody who happened to be in this room, I didn't know at the time, um, got an old pair of underwear and wrote like, hey, I'm going to miss you, blah, blah, blah. And here I am thinking that, oh, this must be a custom. Like, this is like their way of saying goodbye. Like, I thought, I thought somebody, some guys left underwear in my bag just to say, hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, it ended up being Chad. Um, <laughs> making fun of me for, for that. So, but hey, I'm so excited you guys get to hear from me. I'm going to bring Carlos. Your Carlos is coming up first. You get to hear his testimony, then you'll get to hear a little bit more. All right, come on, Carlos. Uh, good morning. Buenos dias. <clears throat> I'm just wondering how much it will cost me to take this van with me around as we talk. You guys will be up to give them up. You guys did a great job. Thank you for leading us in worship this morning. Um, greeting, greeting from my country, Honduras. It's a beautiful country. Son of Dan has been there. We have mountains. We have a couple lakes. Ocean in both sides. For the last month and a half, I've been traveling around 8,000 miles. And I've been going all the way from the east to the west. I've been visiting some parks. And you have a beautiful country. God created your country almost as beautiful as mine. <laughs> almost. One sub part of my country is that over 60% live in extreme poverty. 
but we have a good God. Amen? A God that nobody can stop, correct? And when he say move, the sun, yeah, we move. And I also believe that God is a miracle worker. And you've been seeing here in me one of them. I will share my testimony. And my goal is to encourage you, to challenge you at the same time, and hopefully to plant the seed of mission in your heart this morning. I grew up and I was born in a little village in Honduras. Very, very, very primitive. So primitive that we don't even have electric or running water. The majority there was very, very poor people. My father was 72 years old. Is a 72-year-old here this morning? You're a little older than that, correct? <clears throat> Mr. Gas is a little older than 72. My father was 72-year-old and my mother just 18 when I was born. And I was number three. My father being that age, I already have 12 kids with his formal wife. My mother was barely 14 when my older sister was born, of course. My father don't want to do anything except sleep with her. So here's my mother, 14 years of age with a baby, zero education. She never went to school, and then today she's alive. She don't even know how to read or write. My father was the wealthiest in that village. He owned some coffee plantations, some cows, some horses, some homes. So to the standards of that village, he was, the ver he was very wealthy. My mother was so poor that when she was two years old, she was given away. Her, my, her parents went to the town nearby and said, you know, if you can save her. My mother was very sick at age two, and they say, if you can save this girl, it's yours. So that is how sad it is. So poverty is from generations past, in the case of my mother. My mother knew another gentleman in that village who was 10 years older than her. And she, he liked her, but she was as poor as her. And on top of that, he used to drink. And you know the issues and struggles that a home have when someone you drink. So at age 16, my mother had her second girl with my stepfather. My father still kind of like her. My mother went back to my father for two more years, and that is what I was born, and my sister. So we are three from my father. My mother went back to my stepfather and have five, so eight in the sight of my mother, and those are the kids that I think are my brothers and sisters. So I will like to describe a little bit my living conditions in that little village. 
someone feel sorry and sad about my mother's situation and gave her just like a half a decent stage. It was a little shack. I would like to describe that. Out in the country, we go in the woods and find sticks just like this, and we tie them together. In the corners, we used, you know, bigger logs, and <clears throat> we put mud, just mud, in the walls. I don't know if you've been seeing houses like that. So, not a stray, but, you know, protect you from the weather. Of course, we don't have your kind of weather, so it's tropical year-round, so that is nice. But not running water, so we went to a little creek about half a mile away to take her bath. And my mother washed her clothes. <clears throat> hey, nothing wrong with that. I enjoy, I love swimming in that little creek. I remember going to school. It was a little school there, like almost that little house in the prayer school where we went and no shoes, wearing my pair of shorts and an old T-shirt. Sometimes not even carrying a pen with me. But the teacher knew the situation and she was very nice. Until today, I remember her name. <clears throat> One of the sad parts, and it's very sensitive, is food. My mother needed to work long hours in a house as a maid to provide for us. And alone in the house, waiting for her to see if she will come and bring us some food. That evening she came and she brought nothing. And many, many evenings I went to bed hungry. I remember laying in a very um, or typical beds there too. We may, we are very creative. We find ropes and tie ropes and just put all closed and that is our bed. I remember laying in those bears crying many nights because I was hungry. My head was full of lies. My skin, we have issues with fleas and ticks. One of my half-sisters, in the size of my father, who was a teacher in the capital city, came to town, and I do believe was sent by God. And she saw our condition, and arranged for me, at age 10, and my sister, age 8, to live in an orphanage. I was excited. I wanted to see the city. I remember the day that we traveled in a bus, first time for me riding in a bus, seeing Pay Road, and I went and I saw the capital city, a city of two million people right now. I don't know how big it was when I came, um, 30 plus years ago, mm, 40 plus years ago, I am in order. Huh? <clears throat> that night, my little sister, who I was protecting her and me, were looking and staring at all the lights of the city, never seeing such a beautiful, I don't know how to even describe, crying, 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 crying. We realized we were far away from home, almost a whole day riding the bus. 
and we were in a bed together, and we were crying. We told the person who brought us, can you take us back? We already enjoyed the ride in the bus, and we already sat the lights. We didn't know that that was a permanent move. Bad things happen in the orphanage. I have three meals a day, took a shower from a pipe, still cold water, but it came from the pipe. Christian people who love us, taught us to pray, disciple us, took us to church, give us education, clean our heads, give us parasite medicine. And hope. The hard part, though, even that that was nice, my own bed, ride in the car to church, go to a restaurant once in a while, is the separation between me and my family. And into today, even having coffee with Chad this morning, I will give you don't know what to be able to have that experience with a mom and a dad, an aunt, you know, a grandfather. I don't have anything of that. I know where my mother is, but because she is staying in the little village, we lost communication. Six years happened before I saw her again, so I was already 16 years old. And she had more kids, four younger kids, and so she was very busy. And um, I know it's my mother. I respect. I need to honor her as the Bible command. But I, I do not have that relationship that I, I, I so much wish to have with her and, of course, with my dad. But that was totally out of my control. When I was 18 years old, they gave me the option. You can go because in Honduras at that age, you are... You have your own ID and you can have your license. But as a teenage, I was not that bad. You know, I, I was okay, teenage boy. And they asked me, I would love for you guys, for you to stay, help us. We will give you a salary. At that time, I really know how to drive. You can help us with errands. And we will help you to go to college. So that was great. I didn't have family around, so I stayed. I am the only one in that orphanage that stayed there beyond 18 years old. And that was too for a reason. A young girl came one day riding in a car. She was so beautiful. Yep. <clears throat> She came and whew, all of us, you know, stir her and of course she just graduated from college and uh, growing in an orphanage, my self-esteem was very low. Everybody, even kids at church, make fun of us because we were orphans. Sometimes kids can be a little cruel, right? So how this poor orphan that do not have nothing, can date a girl from America. I was kind of, uh, we used to have teams in our orphanage. 
And we used to kind of hold hands with girls who came to visit us. And that was fun, but that was just a week. So <clears throat> we started dating in the orphanage with her. And um, it was up and down. But to make a long story short, we got married almost 27 years ago. You saw the picture of four kids. All of them are 25, 24, 23, and 22. All four came in three years and nine months. Boom. <clears throat> hey, at age 26, I was no more kids. Listen to this. At age 45, no more kids at home. I was an empty nest. My younger kids left four years. So now you know how old I am. I'm 49 years old. Kids came. They already are done with college almost. My youngest is still in his last year. They want me. They want that to come and be close to them. And I tell, I have for you, I love you. You are part of me, but I have 200 and 100. And that is where it's my heart. I love my country in the midst of all the difficulties that we have. I know they need me here, but they are doing okay. They have a college degree. They have their own cars. They can have two or three jobs if they want. If they want, of course. And they all work. Honduras is, is very different. So I will ask my wife to come. I can, my wife sign, it's time for you to stop. So she needs to do that because she knows me and I will be here talking to you all morning. So I think it was good. I, uh, she came just out of college, fell in love, of course, with me, <laughs> but also with my country. And she's been there for almost 30 years. Next July, it will be 30 years for her to be in Honduras. And she loved my country. And I want her uh, to tell you a little bit more for you young girls and that it may be want to be missionaries like her and uh, see what she will be able to share this morning. Good morning. It's um, great to be here this morning with you guys. Um, yeah, well, I grew up in a Christian family. Um, my parents were Christian. We went to church every Sunday. Um, as I grew up, I felt God calling me to work with children. But um, I grew up on a farm. I didn't ever have the opportunity to travel. Never been out of the country. Hardly had been out of the state of Ohio. Um, so for me, um, I was like, maybe God will send me to a big city to work with poor children because that's where I thought the poor children would be in a big city in the United States. Um, but as I grew up, God um, allowed me to work in daycare centers and um, 
go to college, go to Bible college. And um, while I was in Bible college, I met a girl whose family had been former missionaries in the country of Honduras. So there I got to learn about Honduras. Um, I didn't get to go, but I got to learn about it through her. Her family had started an orphanage when they were there, um, and she had grew up there. And um, so God just started not only preparing me as I worked in daycare centers and worked with children in different settings, um, but also um, planted the seed of um, knowing about the country of Honduras. And um, so when I, when I was getting ready to, I was in my senior year of Bible college, um, her brother, who had went back to Honduras for a time and had um, been the director of that orphanage, um, knew that I had the desire to work with children and um, called me and said, you know, um, there's a neighborhood in Tegucigalpa, um, and I have a friend there who's really burdened for the children, um, children who, small children, who have to stay home by themselves during the day um, while their moms work. In Honduras, um, a parent, um, if they need to work, they usually need to leave their children. Um, they either take them with them or they leave them. We found two-year-olds locked in a one-room shack for many hours um, because their mothers want to work so that they can feed them. There is no program where they can get food to eat unless they work. And so many children on the streets just kind of abandoned during the day, just on their own, um, and many of them young. Um, so he shared with me this need, and I immediately, I said, I'll pray about it, but I, I immediately kind of felt that that's where God wanted me to go. So I'd never been to the country of Honduras, had never had the opportunity to learn Spanish, um, but um, got on a plane six weeks after I graduated and flew into Honduras. That family was no longer there. I didn't know anybody that spoke English there, um, but they had arranged for me to live with a Honduran family. And um, so I lived in the poor neighborhood with the children, with the family, um, and started Nueva Esperanza a month later with 10 children. But um, took cold showers, washed my clothes on a cement scrub board, just ate the food they ate. Um, but God protected me, took the public buses, have lots of stories of different situations I, I got myself in that God had to protect me. Um, but um, I'm so blessed to have lived there ever since. I just come back to visit to tell people about um, the need and about what we're doing. Um, after I'd been there a little while, um, I had the opportunity to go see the orphanage that that family had started. And that's where I met Carlos. So God had a plan and all that, too. So um, just very blessed to um, be able to, um, to be a blessing to the children who need it. And I'm going to show you some pictures of our ministry. Um, so Honduras is a very poor country. And, um, you know, those who visit, um, you know, one side of the city, you wouldn't know that the other side of the city has um, this kind of poverty. Um, but, you know, we, we live in a world of poverty, and it's not just physical poverty. There's also social, mental, um, all, you know, spiritual poverty. And um, we can 
go to the next slide. Um, so Nueva Esperanza, just um, we work with families who are in need. Um, many single moms, not all of them are singles moms. This is a family where there's a mom and a dad, but they dig through the trash to find things to resell to make a living to support themselves. The mom and dad have struggled with drug abuse, alcohol abuse, um, different kinds of abuse. We have three of their children in the center. They live by a little creek and a little shack. And God has blessed us to be able to minister to these children, not only give them food and um, care and clothes and, and different things that they need, but also to give them the hope of the gospel of Christ. Um, so that's what we do. We bring in young children and begin working with them. Um, and our goal is to affect permanent and holistic change in the spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical lives of hundred children in need. Um, our preschool children, we bring them in and we, as I said, we give them food, we give them an edu a preschool education, um, and um, just try to um, meet their needs. And as they grow up in the center, um, we continue with them, and they go to a public school, but public schools in Honduras are just a half a day. And so they go in the morning, and they're able to come to our ministry for lunch and stay the rest of the day. So the public schools are overcrowded. Um, the teacher writes on a chalkboard what you would normally, like maybe have in a workbook. They'll write that on the chalkboard, and the child needs to copy that in a notebook, and that's their textbook. Um, and they don't have classes like we can provide for them in the afternoon. Like as they grow up, when they, um, when they get to like the sixth grade, that's what for many years the country of Honduras, that was the required level of education, sixth grade. So the children at that point, it's almost like here in the United States, if you're deciding to go to college, if you're going to go on to high school. We encourage all of our children to go on to high school. And so we've created a program where we disciple them, we, we provide a scholarship for them to help them um, be able to take the bus and buy food if they need to buy a lunch and, and um, their uniforms and different things like that. But then they can come back to the ministry and um, a main um, goal for them is to just continue discipling them and um, preparing them to be um, to be young adults that will go out and minister in their country and be a light for Christ. So um, this last couple years, COVID has been around. I'm sure you've all heard that word before. And um, so we had to um, do things a little bit different. We weren't able to have our children for a small amount of time. We've been able to bring them back now, but for a period of time we had to shut down completely and we knew that what would happen for these moms that need to work just to make a little bit of money, a dollar or two for that day to provide food for their children for that day, what was going to happen that they were going to go without food. And it was true. And so we got special permission from the government to be out because in the country of Honduras, um, for over six months, people were only allowed to go out of their homes once every two weeks according to your ID number. And what was open was grocery stores, banks, pharmacies, and gas stations. 
And so people were just lined up on the road that were hungry and just holding their hands out, asking for food. So um, we were able to get special permission from the government to um, be out of our home more days than just the once every two weeks. And we went to the market and um, got truckloads of food and bagged it up. And not only were we able to give it out to our families, but to people um, in the neighborhood and on the streets, we were able to give out in the first like six, seven months, we were able to give out over 100,000 pounds of food to people. So um, um, yeah, let me go on. Um, so Nueva Esperanza has been around for almost 30 years. Um, right now we have 112 children enrolled, um, 71 youth, and um, we work with 131 families. And um, over the years, we've been able to have over 500 children come through the ministry and hear about Jesus. Um, this is one of our recent graduates last year, um, Bessie was able to graduate. She started when she was one and a half. And Bessie, um, her, one of her goals is to get a teaching degree and come back to Nueva Esperanza and teach and work with children um, to return what, what she received at the ministry. And this is Deborah. Um, Deborah's mom was a single mom, needed to um, you know, just struggle to make a living to um, to take care of her children, and um, Deborah also graduated this last year. And Deborah wasn't sure what she wanted to do. Um, she wanted to go to college, but she wasn't sure what she wanted to study, so she wasn't going to start. And um, we asked her, you know, what are you doing? She said, "Well, I'm kind of just sleeping till noon every day because I don't know what to do." And and I said, "You know what? Come the couple blocks to Nueva Esperanza, and we'll give you a job for a while while you decide what you're doing. So right now, she's working with our younger children in the ministry as she um, decides what she wants to do with the rest of her life. But um, we um, are able to do what we do because many people in the United States sponsor the children that we bring into the ministry. So on our table out in the hallway out there. We have children that um, need a sponsor, so if you're able or interested, um, talk to us about that. Um, also, one of the things we'd love to encourage churches to do is to bring a team to Honduras, because until you see it firsthand, you really can't understand. Right, Brittany? <laughs> um, so um, we do lots of things with our teams, um, but we just, it's a time where uh, um, the team members can encourage us as missionaries, the staff, and the children, but also not only you be an encouragement to us, but for you to learn and to grow in your spiritual life while you're there. So thank you for your time, and um, it's great to be here. Nueva Esperanza is three ministers in one. We work with the little ones. Twenty years ago, we started working with the youth as they graduate from sixth grade. And also, we have a beautiful facility for teams. We can host up to 32 team members. We cook for you there. We have hot water. We have Wi-Fi. <laughs> I know it's a, it's a need, right, everywhere. So it is a nice. We are done with the building. We are just planning to put some trees and plants, so we will welcome you. So what is next to finish our presentation this morning? 
how you can get involved. Yeah, you can sponsor kids. That will be great. We have some kids there that need to. But the next video that you were watched, it has been a dream for 14 years. Is when I purchased the property. But at the same time, I purchased the property for the team house. So as a ministry, we will not be able to build a team house in what you will see here in a minute. But I am done, and I need something to do. So last year, the city gave me the permit, the pre-approval, to build a facility because it's in a residential area, and it's big. It will be the largest building by far in that community, and it will be our larger building for us. I started the building campaign last year, and I will just tell you, because you, know, you are so close, you are like family, it's a big project. It will cost me about a million dollars to build a structure. But guess what? I have $300,000 already. Amen? <laughs> so it may take a couple more years, it's fine. We are trusting that the Lord will provide. But I want you to hear the story, young guys, of Gerardo, that is one, my Honduran son. You remember, I have 200 Honduran kids. He is 17 years old. We've been working very close with his family. Even some team members, Chad has been in, under his house. We kind of repair, rebuild the house that you will see here. So please look at this video and uh, see how the Lord will guide the church as a church to go to Honduras and help us with this project. Un 28 de diciembre fue feo. Ella ya no podía, no podía hablar. Entonces mi hermana vino y la, la llevó al hospital. Después quedó en coma y no podía hablar nada. Y le dijeron que no tenía esperanza. Y el día siguiente murió. No lo podíamos creer. No había vuelto mi madre. Ahora estamos viendo a mis hermanos y mi hermana y mi sobrino y yo por ahorita. Ser un ejemplo para ellos. Poder graduarme del colegio y de la universidad. Poder tener un empleo bueno. Sacar de carro automotriz. Y poder ayudar a mi hermana en todo lo que necesita. Y a mis hermanos en lo que me necesitan. Es normal, pero sí, quiero ser un gran ejemplo para mis hermanos y para mi hermana también.
the vocational training center will be a key to keep them motivated. And it will be a key tool for us to keep discipling them. One of the levels will be a, a level where we will have mechanic, we will have welding, plumbing, carpentry, electricity. Another level we will have a commercial kitchen where we will teach our kids how to cook. Right now we have about 70 youth and I believe all of them will benefit from this building. We have a tradition here at the ministry to take our graduate to a elegant, fancy restaurant. So we were in one of these restaurants with a couple of girls who graduated from 12th grade and she ordered a steak. When the steak came, uh, we noticed that she was not sure how to even start eating it. So she grabbed her steak with her hands and started eating it. So I realized that she probably never had the opportunity to eat a steak with a knife and a fork because the homes, the conditions where they come from, some of them don't even have a table. Our people here in Honduras, young people, families leave and they do that because it's not an opportunity here for them to work. So I do believe if we can teach them, if we can train them, they will stay here and work together to better Honduras. I want to be a electrician, a mechanic, a baker, a plumber, a nurse, a mechanic. I want to be a baker. I want to be a carpenter. I want to be a mechanic. And we've been praying, we've been dreaming, we've been even crying together. We do believe that it is time to move to the next step. Let's build it. And I need your help. We cannot do it alone. see how you can get involved. So thank you so much, uh, Pastor Derek. Please come forward if you want. Uh, you take over, my friend. First time I saw him, he was the worship leader in a church. And I cannot see him, do nothing but see him, how he playing. You remember that? So I approached to him and said, hey, I love the song. He said, I enjoy it. So it's been many years. Uh, and it's good, it's great to be here with you and well, uh, the members. Why don't you come up here? I'm going to do, do something quick. You know, last week, uh, Tracy wants to go ahead and come up. We're going to do some of my songs here. Um, last, uh, last week, um, yeah, I said some questions prepared. Today, we're going to take up a love offering to the Lord to this new building. Um, but what I want to do real quick, Dad, if you'll, hey, Dad, will you grab one of that bucket there? 
Um, okay, we've got that back on that side for this side. Um, and that, what I want to do is I want to, I want to, we're going to pray over them. We're going to do one more song, take up a love offering, and we're like, God has done some. I have been there. Brittany has been there, and God, seen God do some amazing, amazing things. Um, and, and it's all because of their faithfulness. And I think God only has God only has much bigger things in store for their future. So let's do this. Hey, you might think you want to come up and help me pray over them. Um, if anybody else wants to come up and help me pray over them, we'll pray. We'll do one more song, and um, we'll go from there. Brittany, you want to come up and pray? Dear God, we want to thank you so much for the heart of for the heart of people to, to serve their communities and serve their countries. And God, I pray over Carlos and Barbara, God, that you um, you continue to bless their ministry, bless their bless their marriage. God, I, I and bless the children that they're over. And God, I pray that you, like you exceed like I bl- I pray for some crazy faith stuff right now that this building is paid for um, within the next just next few years. God, and it is completed and. And God, I pray that, that you put people um, in, in place to do that. And God, I pray for I pray for us as we give this morning. May we give a, a generous heart and a, and a pure heart. And God, I, I just thank you for them and their story and where you brought them and where you're taking them. And I pray all this in your name.